0: Hey guys, today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp, whose mission is to make professional counseling accessible, affordable, and convenient so anyone who struggles with life's challenges can get help anytime, anywhere. And they offered us life after miscarriage gals, guys, and our couples 10% off their first month when using the link betterhelp.com/lam. Now let's get into today's episode. Ow. Hello everyone, we have Ashley Arsenault on today's episode. I am so excited to get to know a little bit more about her and her story. Ashley, I am just gonna toss it at you, start wherever you'd like.
1: Hi everyone, I am Ashley, I am from um, Eastern Canada and I just wanna give you a little backstory before we kinda jump in. Um, I have a son, Hudson, who is six years old from a previous relationship and he was born prematurely at 34 weeks. And that's kind of important moving forward into my story. Um, Things didn't work out with his father and we kind of jumped forward a couple of years and I ended up with my best friend of 10 years. Um, We took a relationship pretty quick in the beginning. We moved in right away a few months into it because we've known each other our whole lives. We worked together and we were even actually reading buddies in elementary school. Um, Pretty quickly into living together, we started talking what our future would look like. And I remember when we talked about wanting babies, I had this weird feeling that it wasn't going to be easy, it wasn't going to be fast, and I don't know why I felt that. So the first month of trying was unsuccessful, which I expected, and then he was actually away for work um, in September, and I got a positive pregnancy test our second round of trying which shocked me I was like wow this is it is a little bit faster than I thought but we were so excited he got home from his trip that night and we were both so excited about it um I've been out very early I was like three weeks and four days like five days before my period which was amazing uh the whole first trimester seemed so normal and so much like my first trimester with Hudson. I couldn't get in with the doctor right away because of COVID. So I remember just kind of testing every couple of days, making sure those lines were getting darker. And like the, the clear blue digital, I wanted to make sure I got that three plus weeks. And once I got that, I kind of felt a little bit at ease. Everything was normal. I was just so tired and just such a normal first trimester. Um, When I finally did get a hold of my doctor, he was able to send me for blood work right away, which was great. That made me feel even more at ease, but I wasn't able to actually get an in-person appointment with him until 13 weeks. Um, In the meantime, I contemplated whether or not I should have a Doppler at home. if That would ease my mind, and I know it's such a controversial thing. People will say that stresses you out more. Ultimately, we did decide to get one. And luckily for us, we were able to find the heartbeat the very first time we tried, which was around nine weeks. Um, I found myself almost daily using that. And I kept telling myself, once I see the doctor, this is going to be fine. I won't be as worried. And I was still always checking that heartbeat, but always being able to find it. Anyway, so we get to the 13-week mark, and I do finally see my doctor. And I told him, like, something not that something feels wrong, but I was just so worried and I wasn't like this in my previous pregnancy. Maybe that's because I was younger. And I just, I was so busy then and it was so consuming this time. It had been six years since I was pregnant. More friends around me and people around me pregnant and just, I was so into it. He said not to worry, things looked good. We did like, you know, the pelvic pap. We listened to the heartbeat, blood pressure was good all of my blood work came back normal. Um, I do have a thyroid condition so that, you know, got a little bit whack, but we got that under control and everything was great. Um, he booked me in for a formal ultrasound for around that time. I did have a little bit of spotting though, um, at just around the 12 week mark and it brought me into the emergency room and I wasn't super concerned because as soon as I saw that little bit of bleeding, I went and went straight for my Doppler. And it ended up being great that I had it because it put my mind at so much ease when I heard the heartbeat right away. Um, So I went into the emergency room and I said, You know, I'm having a little bit of spotting. I have heard the heartbeat. I just want to make sure everything's okay. So, at least how we do it here in our emergency room. they have kind of like a portable ultrasound machine and they bring it around room to room and it's not it's not very detailed it's enough to see is their baby is the baby in the right spot and is their heartbeat so they checked me right in and with all these covid rules i was so nervous that i was going to be there all day but they checked me out and everything looked good everything looked great they said if this happens again and doesn't stop please come back so a couple days later spotting returned and I went back and from there on out everything was great like I said, i had seen the doctor right after that and so he sent me for a formal ultrasound where you actually get pictures and these photos are on your medical file whereas the emergency room ones aren't um, so my 13-week ultrasound everything looked good I hadn't heard back um about anything and no news is usually good news so I remember getting those pictures printed off from the ultrasound tech and coming home there were three or four of them and laying them out and saying like I don't know why but something doesn't look right I couldn't pinpoint like baby looked fine I don't know I was just kind of like I wasn't as excited as I should have been and my partner has never really seen many ultrasound pictures he's like everything looks good and I mean, we'll wait a few days and see if they get back to us, but everything looked great. So I started comparing those pictures to my ultrasound picture with Hudson, and I know that each pregnancy is different, and you shouldn't compare, and I should have known better, but I really got in my head. So we did end up waiting probably a week after that before announcing anything. Um, I just wanted to make sure that everything looked good. So we did end up announcing on social media and everybody was ecstatic. Like everybody had been saying for 10 years that he and I would end up together, that we'd have kids together, that we'd get married. And this was kind of like a really big step and just amazing support all around. And I don't regret at all announcing on social media. I think that's great. And in my line of work, I work with clients. I'm a hairstylist. So I had a hard time knowing when should I tell them? I don't know. I was so apprehensive and when I was pregnant with Hudson I wasn't at all. I was like, "Listen, I'm pregnant. I'm so excited." And I had a really hard time this time. So, anyway, at at that 14 week mark, I was like, "Okay. We're into the second trimester and things should be good." I need to I need to breathe a little bit. So, At 14 and a half weeks, I felt movement several times, and I started to lay off the Doppler a little bit, and that was, like, the biggest stress reliever for me, was just knowing, like, okay, I can feel this baby now. I don't need to always be checking in. Um, I started to regain a little bit of my energy, and my anxiety level went down a bit, and just when I thought I could breathe again, I woke up one morning, and it was my weekend off. I had Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. I woke up and went to the bathroom and when I wiped, I was bleeding and it was a little bit more than spotting and it was bright red blood. I was like, oh my God, here we go again. So I did have plans that day to see a friend who knew I was pregnant and she had actually recently had a miscarriage. So it was a really hard situation. Um, so again, I ran to my Doppler and I as soon as I put that probe on my belly, I felt, or I heard the heartbeat. So I was like, okay, I don't know why this keeps happening. And my family doctor and I had discussed that, unfortunately, some people just get spotting throughout their pregnancy. And oftentimes, there's no real major cause or major concern to have that. And I didn't want to be that. I didn't want to be the person who had spotting because I can't handle the stress of wondering what's wrong like I always believe that there's a cause um, so anyway luckily that day it only lasted for a couple of hours and no more bleeding at all and I kind of forgot about it and I, I remember having a little bit of back pain and but I didn't think of it like I work on my feet and you know you're gaining weight from pregnancy and you're tired and it's not unusual to have a back pain in my in my job so My back was sore, but we went to bed, and it was a little unusual for me to wake up in like the middle of the night to pee. Usually, I could make it to like five or six. So, I woke up at two to pee. And I remember sitting down and feeling like this overwhelming sense of pressure. And I'm like, what is that? But I was half asleep and I wasn't really thinking about it. And so, I peed and I was like, I can't stand up. Like, I feel like something's happening. And then I felt a gush. And I'm like, oh, my God, did my water just break? Like, what what just happened? And so there was a huge gush and tons of blood. Like, I felt like I was bleeding out. And I'm like, what do we do? It's 2 in the morning. We can't leave Hudson here sleeping alone, and I certainly cannot go to the emergency room by myself in the state. So we called everybody we could think of, and eventually we got through to my mother-in-law, And we were panicking and we just needed someone to come to the house so somebody would be with my son when he woke up. We live about 20 minutes from the hospital and it took her no time to get here. So by the time she got here, I put a fresh pad on and that 20 minute drive, by the time we got there, I had bled through everything. I couldn't even sit down when we got to the hospital because I was like, I'm going to bleed on everything. And I just had this crazy gut feeling like, oh my God, this is everything that I've been worried about every time I've bled. This is what I've been scared of. So they take us right in and in our hospital, you're not supposed to have spouses or any company during COVID. And in this situation, I was like, I can't be left alone and he can't leave me alone. Like he's in no no emotional state to be driving so they thank god they made an exception and they let him stay and I'm so glad because it was such a long wait and it was such a long 12 hours so it was the best thing I couldn't have been alone so they put us directly into a room and they got my all cleaned up so that was great and one of my best friends works in the emergency room, and she happened to be my nurse, and it was such a hard thing emotionally, I could tell, for her and I, because I think we both know that we had a gut feeling this wasn't going to end well, and here she is trying to get an IV in me, and she's upset and trying to not show that she's upset, and she's worried about me, but she's tired because she's working overnight, and it was such a hard situation, but. Also, so comforting to like see a familiar face. It's so weird, just the way the the scheduling worked that I could have her there. So she kept coming in to check on us, and everybody kept asking me like, "Are you having any pain? Do you need painkillers?" And I was like, "No, like I'm so shocked that not having any pain at all. It's just bleeding, and there were even a couple times that I'm like I'm pretty sure I can still feel the baby moving." It was such a weird feeling. So a couple hours later, um, the emergency room doctor came in. And I remember I've seen him before in the ER with my son for, you know, odd things that kids get, tonsillitis or whatever, and having a weird feeling about this guy. And he came across so nice and he seemed really compassionate. And then he brings, he wheels in that uh, portable ultrasound machine that I was talking about. And I'm no stranger to this. And I had even had one when I was pregnant with my son. I had spotting early on. I I knew how this goes. And um, he puts it on my belly, and immediately we still see the baby moving. I'm like, wow. I don't I don't know. I had never heard of of your water breaking so early and the baby still being alive. I had only ever known miscarriage to be that the baby passed away and there was no heartbeat. So Seeing that on the screen gave me hope at first that maybe there's some way we can save this baby. And the response out of the doctor just, oh, I'll never forget. He said, well, this is more than I expected to see, but you have no amniotic you fluids. You'll probably miss scary." And my heart sunk and we both just like burst into tears because here we are seeing this baby that seems healthy and that's moving and like yes I understand that they had no amniotic fluid in there and but it seemed like there was hope there was a heartbeat and there was nothing concerning about this baby that I knew so he said this is the best of a worst case scenario and I'm like how how is there a best case how is there how is it better knowing that this baby isn't going to make it, but they're fine right now. It made me break down in tears, but it also made me want to just, like, punch this doctor in the face. I was so upset. And because I wasn't 20-plus weeks along, they won't take you to the labor and delivery department. But they did decide to send me because they wanted me to meet with an OBGYN to discuss what would happen from here. It was hours and hours waiting to meet with her and I was just so hopeful that she would have better news for us or that she would just have better bedside manners or something. And they kept calling in an order for her and it it wasn't lining up. And so eventually they came and got me and sent me upstairs and and we finally met with her. And she was so sweet and so caring. And she let us like feel all of our feelings and take time to process and she let us ask any question we had. She went over all of the options with us. So, in our stay in the emergency room, of course, I get googling about this stuff, and I don't, I don't really recommend googling, and I know better. But in the middle of the night, in a crisis, you just you Google and you see what happens. And I had read a lot about bed rest and i would read a lot of articles that say that it's just not really proven to work. It's kind of like an older method. And maybe if I was a little further along, it would be worth it. So she did give us the option to try bed rest, but she said it had a very little success rate. And even if the baby survived, it could lead to a lot of neurological damage and a lot of risks. Uh, we could schedule a DNC. And I don't know if that would have been immediately or if that would have been several days from then or we could induce knowing that baby would pass away during delivery at that time like they were ready for induction right then and there if I wanted to do this vaginally and get it over with or we could go home and sleep on it and let nature take its course and just see see what we're doing and because we had a Doppler at home, she she loved actually that we had a Doppler at home. All things considered with COVID, she said, "You know what? Once you're in your second trimester, it's not a bad idea to have one, especially if you're nervous." Um, so ultimately, we did decide to just go home and think about it and hope for the best. And so when we got home, um, my sister and her boyfriend, and my dad and stepmom. And stepsister were here. And the problem was Hudson was here and he was so excited about being a big brother, like over the moon, excited. And until we knew for sure what was gonna happen, we made absolute sure that he wasn't feeling anything. We didn't want him to be sad, and we didn't want him to know that he might not get to be a big brother at that time. So we had to announce to the family kind of what was happening for support while keeping him distracted and in his room and playing alone Um, so that was one of the hardest things is having to say it out loud like we don't think baby's gonna make it but we don't know what's gonna happen so that was on a Saturday and so we took the rest of that day we got home like mid-afternoon I think um, we took the rest of the day kind of in shock and like the bleeding had really subsided a lot, but it was so weird, like my belly deflated and I understand that I lost the amniotic fluid, but to look at me I didn't look pregnant. And because I was in the second trimester and wasn't tired, I didn't really feel pregnant. And because I was bleeding, it was like reminiscent of just being on your period, but like the emotions in my brain and in my heart were just devastation that I couldn't show around my child so that was probably the hardest thing but it was also nice to have him as a distraction so my partner and I made a deal that we would only check the heart rate when Hudson was either sleeping or at school like we weren't going to do that when he was around in fear that we would go to check and there wouldn't be a heartbeat and he would see us kind of at our breaking point so that was a Saturday we tried the heartbeat before bed and it was a strong heartbeat like 150 and I was feeling a little bit of movement and then Sunday I got up and cleaned a little bit and they did say you know like light duties don't overwork yourself but ultimately it wasn't going to change the outcome so Carter took Hudson to skating and he enjoyed getting out of the house and, you know, that hour of not thinking about it was good for him. That's just his personality and kind of an hour of me at home alone to process my thoughts was really good for me. So, I don't know, we struggled so much with it. We ultimately knew that we couldn't make a decision to terminate a pregnancy while the baby seemed healthy. We just spent so much time like talking it over and knowing that ultimately this probably wasn't going to be up to us anyway. So, Sunday was just a day of tears and distraction and eating and just trying to relax. They told me, like, you're free to take a bath, shower. Like, at this point, your water is broken and there's nothing we can do. So, Monday morning, I woke up feeling, like, off. I was like, I don't know. This could be it. So, like I said, we decided we weren't going to check that Doppler while Hudson was home. So we pulled ourselves together, and we got dressed, and we we both went to Hudson to school drop-off. And as soon as we got home, we looked at each other, and I'm like, well let's get this over with and of course part of me was hoping to hear a heartbeat but part of me was like how much longer can this I felt like a mind game of like is this baby gonna live or not so when we put the doppler to my belly and didn't hear the heartbeat it was devastating but it was a little bit of weight off our shoulders and feeling like nature had taken its course and that's just kind of what was meant to be for us so i called labor and delivery and i explained the situation and i said i've met with this doctor and this nurse and they know that we'll be coming for an induction so they said okay come on up so we took our time to process and we didn't want to drive ourselves and I can't even remember who drove us. That's how much of a blur that day is. I don't remember. It must've been my mother-in-law drove us there. Um, But we chose like an hour and a half at home to pack our bags. I had a bath because I didn't know how long I was gonna be there. I just wanted to like have that last, it almost was like the last bonding moment with this child, right? So we did head up to the hospital and I was under the impression that we would go in and the induction would start. And we had talked this over when we were there that weekend and they said because you don't have to dilate as far with with a sixteen week baby that it would hopefully be a pretty fast process. So we get there around eleven in the morning. And because all we were going off of was our home Doppler, they Not that they didn't trust that, but they wanted to make sure. So they wanted us to meet with uh, fetal maternal medicine and we couldn't meet with her until four. So we had five hours sitting in this room isolated while we were waiting to meet with her. And they put us in the corner of this hallway and I can't help but think that they must put people in the situation in the corner so they're not seeing these newborn babies and seeing these full-term women going into labor and you're not hearing women laboring in the hallway and once we get in that room I was like I can't I can't go in the hallway I'm not in any situation emotionally to see somebody walk around with their newborn baby so we just up and it was the longest five hours of unknown, like we felt we knew what was happening and then we really didn't know what was happening. So our nurses were great and one of them had been through a kind of similar situation herself and she was so good about not overstepping. And kind of feeling out what we were and we're not ready to talk about. And honestly, she just provided good distraction. She let us know that we were her only patients that day. And she was just so worried about us mentally. And she's like, Hey, is there anything I can do? Anything you want? If you want to order um DoorDash or skip the dishes, she's like, oh, I'll go get it for you. Like she was amazing. So I appreciated her. And like the staff was amazing. And despite the experience I had with the emergency room doctor, like I couldn't have asked for better once we get to labor and delivery. We were able to meet with a social worker, which was great. We had a lot of deep conversations and um, Carter and I had already discussed that maybe like grief counseling in the future would be something we'd be interested in. She gave us like pamphlets and flyers with lots of information that we would want to know. She said, I'm gonna give these to you in an envelope and don't open them before you're ready. She said, if you open them before you're ready, it's gonna trigger emotions that maybe you haven't felt yet. So we thanked her and we took the envelope and we didn't open them for weeks. So four o'clock finally came and we were able to meet with this high risk specialist and she was great and she had excellent bedside manners. And before we did the ultrasound, um, we talked about what to expect, which I think was great. I think a lot of doctors could have just jumped into it and said, listen, like there's no heartbeat, but she was like, okay, let's, let's go over what you've been through so far. And so that was amazing. And so ultimately she did do the ultrasound and confirm that we had lost the baby. And she let us ask as many questions as we needed to. Um, we even were able to discuss future um, testing and what would entail for a potential future pregnancy. And she reassured me there was nothing I could have done for this to happen and she also went as far as to go back into my 2014 ultrasounds with Hudson because he was also born prematurely at 34 weeks and so she was concerned about um, the uterus shape and the cervical length and that was kind of something I discussed with my family doctor too was we never knew why Hudson was early and Because he weighed 5'8 at 34 weeks. He was a good size, and he did spend time in the NICU. But he was healthy, and he's like the 97th percentile for height and weight now and has been. Um, So it wasn't a big concern moving forward. We thought it was a fluke. So this uh, fetal maternal medicine doctor, she was able to go back in all of my ultrasounds and look at them. But as I had mentioned earlier, I had a couple ultrasounds in the emergency room that they don't keep those on your medical file. But the doctors I had at that time, because it was my first time seeing the baby, let me take a few pictures. So I had them on my phone. And I remember thinking back to those that things looked weird and my uterus was like this weird shape. So I was able to show them to her on my phone and she kind of gave me some some insight. And she explained to me that Sometimes those ultrasounds, it's just a brief contraction in your uterus. And while you don't feel, though, she said sometimes your uterus changes shapes every few seconds when you're that far along, like I was only 12 weeks. So she reassured me that that likely wasn't the case, but she did say, I want to go through some tests with you before you would get pregnant again, because it's unusual to see somebody experience water breaking preterm twice she said there's something not right but also there's nothing we could have prevented because like I said Hudson was healthy and they didn't think about it back then because I've never had a loss before after talking to her I had an overwhelming feeling of comfort during this tragedy just knowing that she does see this stuff all the time and she didn't make us feel like a one in a million situation. She's like, unfortunately this stuff happens and and since knowing that somehow I do feel better. So we went back to our room and we met with the on-call OBGYN at that time and decided to get the induction going. Um, they only really offered it to us in the form of a pill and she said you can insert it vaginally or you can take it orally but vaginally has better results, I think. So we opted for that, and I don't know if I suddenly was experiencing physical pain or if it was all of the emotional pain of knowing that this was the first big step in admitting that this baby was gone. But when she was inserting the spell I was like screaming at her, and I was crying. And i I, not very good with pain, but I can usually hold that in. And I just lost it and it was terrible. And I told him we're never doing that again. Like I, I can't handle that right now. And so that first induction didn't seem to have a huge effect on me. Um, I got some mild contractions, but not nearly as bad as I remembered contractions being. I imagined this experience uh, to be similar to giving birth to my son, but it wasn't. And I had to keep reminding myself of that, that this is a different situation. I'm not in labor and delivery to bring home a baby. But what I found weird is that they didn't even give me a hospital gown or Johnny shirt. I just stayed in my normal clothes. It just felt so weird. And that room at the end of the hallway that was isolated away from other moms like my mind was in a million different places so they offered me some Ativan to calm me down and I was like yes I need anything to calm me down I've barely slept in days and I just need to breathe so they gave me that and hours pass and the contractions are barely happening anymore so it's time for a second induction and I opted to take it orally this time Um, this was right around, um, the time that the ball really started to get rolling. Like we wanted to make progress. I wanted to have this doctor deliver and I just wanted to get this over with. So around midnight, I was having really strong contractions. And at this point I was, was over it. I was so done. I'd been hooked up to fluids this entire time. So, uh, bathroom trips were so frequent. And the doctor and nurse, as my contractions um, got stronger, they had this fear that I may end up delivering when I was going to pee. So they put this little thing in the toilet to catch anything that would come out. And ultimately, that's where they wanted me to deliver. I hated the idea of having to deliver this baby on the toilet. Like, that was just, I don't know. That was the final straw. Like, this is awful. I just want this to be over. We didn't know the sex of our baby yet. Um, In Canada, you don't find out until 20 weeks. So we went back and forth about how much do we want to know? How much do we want to see? So we did decide we wanted to find out. so at 1:37 in the morning on december 15th i delivered into that little device on the toilet like they wanted i didn't want to see anything until the baby was cleaned up and even then i wasn't sure how much i wanted to see or how close i wanted to get if i would want to hold them so i closed my eyes and i remained seated and i attempted to deliver the placenta because my water had broken, I guess it's pretty common that the placenta can take hours to come out. They told me um, there was about a 25% chance that I may need a DNC, but I told them, I'm not gonna let that happen. Like this this whole experience has been held for me and I've never been put under and I'm not gonna let that happen now. So during the wait for the placenta to del- deliver, um, we did opt to see and hold the baby. And it was a little boy, and he was so tiny. I was very scared and apprehensive to get an up-close look, And I, at first, really didn't want to hold him. They had him wrapped up in this little blanket with this teeny little hat. And they had him, like, tied in there with a ribbon. And I was taking a few pictures from afar because I did want to have them to look back on because I didn't want to have the regret. not seeing him but I ultimately did decide to hold him but I couldn't I couldn't really look at him like I had a hard time and I know he was 16 weeks and had he been filtered he would have looked differently but I had a hard time like looking at him and saying oh like that's my nose or that's his mouth or like I didn't want to see those features up close and it's something I can't explain but I'm glad that I did hold him and we got a picture of us holding him and it took me a while before I could go back in my phone and comfortably look at those photos but I, I look at them quite a bit now and I'm not I'm not turned off by it at all I'm so glad that I have them I'm glad we get to meet him, even if it was the first and last time. We chose not to name him. And part of me thinks that was a little bit impersonal. But we still like two months have passed, and we just call him the baby. Um, I think maybe if we would have known his gender before and we would have had, you know, a list of names, maybe he would have a name, but we were fine with that. So few hours pass and they take the baby away. And we opted to have him genetically tested for chromosome issues and um, they would eventually test the placenta for any abnormalities. At 530 a.m, the doctor tells me I need to have a DNC and that I've developed an infection, which is likely because it had been 72 hours since my water broke. delivery and i remember with hudson when my water broke at 34 weeks the first thing they were worried about was getting me hooked up to antibiotics to avoid infection and with this delivery i asked the same thing like aren't we gonna hook up to antibiotics and they said no like unfortunately no the baby isn't coming out of here alive and sometimes antibiotics will buy us a little time and just protect the baby but because we weren't looking for time or to protect the baby, they didn't give them to me. And I just remember thinking, if they would have just given me what I wanted, maybe I wouldn't have to have a DNC. But ultimately I did have an infection and she advised me that it's best for my health to get that placenta out as soon as possible and come back and get on an antibiotic IV. I'd never been put under before and I didn't take this news very well. I was so tired and overwhelmed and I just agreed. I wanted to have it over with. Um, We were waiting to be taken into the OR and it was 45 minutes, it's the longest 45 minutes ever. And I was so scared. But luckily the surgery went flawlessly. I didn't feel a thing, I don't remember anything and I had no pain and no complications after. And the more research I do on DNC, I think it's more of an emotional battle and I'm sure people have had physical complications from it but if anyone out there is listening that is contemplating DNC it's emotionally and physically I would say easier because I've been through both like delivering the baby and the DNC and they did a great job like I felt I felt at ease, also knowing that everything was out and that I likely wouldn't have um, complications from like extra tissue left in there. So I felt good about it. And they let Carter come into the recovery room with me, and he was a lot more shaken up than I was. I think because seeing me in that state, and when it's not you, you get so much more worried. I was so drugged up in the uh, recovery room that we even had a few laughs and. We had been through so much the last few days and while we were grieving, we were also relieved to have um, what what we had been dreading all weekend, it was over with. We went back to her room and I was hooked up to IV antibiotics for several hours before we could go home. And during that time, again, like amazing nurses just asking, what can we do for you? Um, Is there anything you need? I did have to get a huge round of blood work done because they were doing genetic testing on me. They had to take, I think it was like 16 vials. And I remember when that was happening, being like, have I not been through enough? Like, stop poking me with needles. I was just so over it. And so it was 3.30 in the afternoon Tuesday. We finally got to leave. And it was such a weird feeling. I can only compare it. Like early pregnancy when nobody knows yet and it's a secret. That's how I felt: is that I was walking around instead of with a baby and it being a secret. I was walking around without a baby, and it was like the secret that I couldn't tell because I wasn't comfortable, and nobody could tell by looking at me. And uh, like I mean, my family and coworkers knew what was going on, but all I could think about was how were we going to tell my son. So. We decided to act as if everything was normal that day. He has spent so much unexplained time away from us that week that I just wanted to give him a normal day with us. That next day, um, here in New Brunswick, um, half days of school happen on Wednesday, so they only go until noon, and then he goes to, like, a tutoring program afterwards, so we decided that after tutoring, we would tell him. He would have all afternoon to kind of process his thoughts, and I was more than willing to let him stay home the next day or the next two days if that's what he needed. I wasn't sure what he would need emotionally. Like, it's this is the most trauma six year old has been through yet in his life, so all day that Wednesday I was so nervous and I was just an emotional wreck like knowing that when we got home that afternoon I felt like I was about to shatter his whole world the conversation went as well as it could have but he was so emotional and sad and had so many questions that we had to answer that we had to tailor it to be on a six-year-old level and he still asks about his little brother daily and he still cries about missing him several days a week and that's probably when it hits me the hardest i've dealt with grief in my life and, and Hudson has a little bit too but when he was younger and not to this extent and seeing him get emotional about something that he feels was taken from him hasn't so hard and we're all coping differently, and I think all three of us are in different stages of grief. Um, We started canceling, and that is something that I highly recommend. Um, As the doctor told me in the hospital, this is like the most extreme pain a parent can experience is any type of child loss, like whether it be a four week, five week miscarriage, infant loss, SIDS, Losing your child tragically to illness, like there's no way to describe that pain until you're there. And from what I've learned, it's all it's all painful. You need to take care of yourself and don't forget that your partner is suffering and your family is mourning with you. So you need to find what helps you heal, whether it be hearing people's stories and listening to this podcast has helped me tremendously and I've I felt a strong connection with it the first time I listened and I've recommended it to so many of my friends Um, I know for some people like deleting social media and getting outside or having a bath laying in bed like there's no right or wrong way when you're in this much pain and I hope that my story helps somebody else out there that's going through a loss like this. 100%
0: it definitely will and I can't thank you enough for feeling the pull to jump on and share your story if somebody wants to reach out to you Ashley where can they do so
1: absolutely Um, I'll leave my Instagram handle with you or I've heard you mention in the past the Facebook group I will join the Facebook group and they can find me there too
0: awesome yes I'll link it in the description will be nice and easy for people to find you and thank you so much Ashley for doing this this is still super fresh for you it is yeah it's yeah
1: just past the two-month mark and I've just gone back to work this week and that's been an emotional roller coaster on its own
0: (sighs) yeah I bet oh my goodness so does everybody at work now Yeah. And And
1: I was clear with them from the beginning. Like I want people to know, and I don't want people to tiptoe around it. And anybody who does know, like I'm fine with talking about it for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Otherwise it kind of, I mean, this is how I feel. I know everybody's different, but otherwise it kind of feels like a a weight on your shoulders if people around you don't know your story. Like that's why I'm so open about it because otherwise I would just feel like I'm hiding a secret or something. (laughs) Right. Exactly. And that's why I
1: always compare it to like first trimester of pregnancy. It's like,
0: it's like a secret
1: that you don't want to tell. And I think that it should be told because it, it's crazy. The amount of people we, we did choose to announce um, our loss on social media. And I kind of did that as a way of letting clients know without having to tell them in person and just kind of more of a widespread but also so people could reach out mm-hmm. and so many people reached out to me with their stories or thanking me for sharing and it's crazy like i would never thought that there would be that much impact and if you're comfortable
0: sharing your story I highly recommend it because it's an amazing community yeah, people come out of the woodworks that like you had no idea, you know, even like people you yeah, with, and you had no idea that they went through what they went through, but because you shared they felt comfortable sharing with you. So
1: absolutely
0: and I hope that it is kind of like a domino
1: effect that people can talk about it and it's not it doesn't have to be a taboo thing like loss is loss and we all go through it at some point.
0: Yeah definitely. Thank you so much, Ashley. I appreciate you keep us posted in the future. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'll talk soon. Okay, bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to share your life after miscarriage story, go to ShellyMetling.com. Click on the life after miscarriage tab and add yourself right to the recording schedule. And I can't wait to chat with you soon. Next one.